In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. I testify in truthfulness and gladness of heart before God and his holy angels that I never had any reason except the gospel and his promises ever to have returned to that nation from which I had previously escaped with difficulty. But I entreat those who believe in and fear God, whoever deigns to examine or receive this document, composed by the obviously unlearned sinner Patrick in Ireland, that nobody shall ever ascribe to my ignorance any trivial thing that I achieved or may have expounded that was pleasing to God, but accept and truly believe that it would have been the gift of God. And this is my confession before I die. Well, those last words of the confession of St. Patrick, that wonderful autobiographical document of his written around 4, 450 AD, bring us close to him in our prayer with a man like that who is grateful, joyful, um, humble. We, we, we can work with a man like that. We can pray to a man like that. And we can learn from a man like that. So through your intercession, Holy St. Patrick, our Apostle, we, we begin our prayer. And we would like to reach Christ in and through you, through your intercession. We know how much you loved our Lord and how much you continue to love him. And we know how much you found Christ in and around you. Uh, and that can lead us into prayer, that that wonderful prayer which was your breastplate, your defence against all kinds of trials and enemies and difficulties. It can also be our defence, like right now. Christ beside me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ under me, Christ over me, Christ to the right of me, Christ to the left of me, Christ in lying down, Christ in sitting, Christ in rising up, Christ in the heart of every person who may think of me, Christ in the mouth of every person who may speak of me, Christ in every eye that may look on me, Christ in every ear that may hear me. Christ, my Lord, our Lord, it's you we want to be with now. It's you with whom we seek intimacy in this prayer. It's you we want to listen to. And we want to do all this through the fatherly intercession of St. Patrick. Because for those of us who are Irish, who have, who have received the faith, at least through Irish roots somehow, he is our father in the faith. And he, he, in a certain sense, engendered us through his own fidelity to, to, to the grace of God. 
Those last words of the confession of St. Patrick that we just read is very characteristic of his attitude throughout the confessions. He says, accept and truly believe that it has been the gift of God. And this is my confession before I die. Apparently, the great Saint Therese of Lisieux, uh, as she was dying, or among her last words, was the expression, all is grace, tout est grâce, everything is grace, everything is a gift. And that seems to be typical of the great apostles of the Lord, of the great evangelizers, that they realize that their whole life, all their activity, everything they've managed to do, their apostolate, and their vocation, their mission, at the end of the day, it's all one big gift. A bit like St. Maria on the 50th anniversary of his priestly ordination. And that's back, in, I think, the 25th of March, 1975. Not long before the Lord called him home to heaven. He, he summed up his whole life up to that point. He says, in a great peal of laughter. Una gran carcajada in Spanish. He summed it all up in a great peal of laughter. Um, that joy, that gratitude, that abandonment, that trust in God, that realizing that everything is a grace, everything is a gift, that's typical of the great evangelizers. Even if they've suffered a lot or have, have, have labored a lot, they realize that at the end of the day, it's all God's work, really. And that they have punched well beyond their weight because it's God. It's God who does everything. As the psalm says, if God does not build a house, in vain do the laborers labor. So today we, we ask for the intercession of St. Patrick. And we, uh, we rely very much on his intercession and on his protection. And also, Lord Jesus, help us to be inspired. Help us to be inspired by his example. He seems to speak to us. He seems to speak to us through the centuries. He seems to speak to us now in the great communion of saints. In his confession he says, So, in fact, one should, in fact, fish well and diligently, just as the Lord foretells and teaches, saying, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And again through the prophets, Behold, I am sending forth many fishers and hunters, says the Lord. So it behoves us to spread our nets, that a vast multitude and throng might be caught for God. Well, that's in some ways the theme of this meditation, that we would pray about the new evangelization, our, our own daily apostolate, our own efforts to spread the faith, and to pray about it in the context of the, the witness, the life of St. Patrick. Lord, on this feast of St. Patrick and through his intercession, I, I ask you to make of me an apostle. And more than that, I ask of you to make of me an apostle of apostles. And more than that, Lord, I ask of you to make of me an apostle of apostles of apostles. St. Josemaria had that lovely image for the apostolic uh, activity of a Christian, or you might say the influence, the good influence of a follower of Jesus, that he or she is like a stone thrown into the lake and it produces first one ripple and then another and then another and another outward. That impact, that um, 
I suppose, the grace, you know, of God that can come through uh, an apostle, ordinary people in daily life, bringing Christ to the world. Jesus, I ask you, make me an apostle. Uh, Help me to learn from St. Patrick. And that's why it's so important for us to pray, actually, because we know that the motor of all apostles is prayer. Intimacy with Christ, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ below me. That intimacy with you, Lord, is what spreads out in evangelization. That's that's what apostolate is, really. It's the extension of our own friendship with Christ to other friendships. Pope Benedict XVI once said, In order to be fishers of men, one must first be caught by Christ. Jesus, I truly want to be caught by you. I want to be a fisher of men and women, a fisher of other people, a servant of of, of your people. And therefore um and therefore I want to be caught by you. I want to give myself to you. And right now, in this moment in my prayer, Lord Jesus, I want to give myself completely to you. There's so many aspects, I suppose, of the life of St. Patrick that can inspire us and can help us to pray about apostolate or evangelization. And one of the things that jumps out from the life of St. Patrick and from his whole attitude in his confessio, in his confessions, is his deep faith in divine providence. Uh, I mean, the life of St. Patrick, as we know, is, is an extraordinary life. It's an incredible adventure at times a very a very difficult adventure, other times more glorious, but certainly a great human and divine adventure. And in and through it all, uh, St. Patrick came to um, touch God's loving providence from that terrible moment when he's 16 years of age, when he's stolen as a slave, along with, he says, thousands of other people. And then he's brought to Ireland uh, to work as a swine herd in where we think he was in Slemish in modern-day Antrim, and then six years in that situation, which was really difficult. And yet those six years were providential because, as he tells us himself, he prayed so much during the night and during the day, during those six years there, he, he discovered Christ. He discovered Christ. Uh, he, I suppose he achieved intimacy with God. And then after those six years, he managed to escape by negotiating with some traders and eventually he got back to his family where he was received with tremendous rejoicing. Well, firstly, when he escaped, he went to Gaul, to France, and then he made it back to Britain, where he was from. Um, and of course, he had no intention of coming back to Ireland, naturally enough. He had suffered so much. Um, I'm sure it was all traumatic. But then he had this vision, again, part of God's providence, And there truly I saw in the night visions a man whose name was Victoricus, coming as it were from Ireland with countless letters. And he gave me one of them, and I read the beginning of the letter, which was entitled The Voice of the Irish. And while I was reading aloud the beginning of the letter, I thought that at that very moment I heard the voice of those who lived beside the wood of Fochat, which is nigh unto the western sea, And thus they cried, as with one mouth, We beseech you, O holy youth, to come and walk once more among us. And I was exceedingly broken in heart, and would read no further. And so I woke. 
Thanks be to God that after so many years, the Lord granted to them according to their crying. Well, you and I, in our own way, maybe not in such an extraordinary way, we also hear the voice of many people crying out to us, asking us to come and walk among them. Because we do, through the mercy of God, we do have the light of Christ in us. We have something very, very precious to share. We don't impose it, but we never stop proposing it. That's for sure. Because at the end of the day, Lord, we know that everyone needs you just as we need you. As Pope Francis says in his uh, exhortation on the Apostolate Evangelii Gaudium, you know, life without Jesus is not at all the same as life with Jesus. We know that. So this providence of our Lord who, who places each one of us in the right place at the right time, we, we could say that you, Lord, are the the very best of personnel managers. You know, you, you put each one of us where we're going to bear most fruit for the kingdom of God, where, where we will most effectively build up the church. And maybe that's a point to meditate on today on the Feast of St. Patrick, that each one of us, wherever you are, wherever I am here and now, in this place, in this time, in these circumstances that I have now, it is the best possible place to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Because all too often we can tend to think, well, oh, if I was living somewhere else, uh, or if I had more health or energy or influence, or um, if society wasn't so secularized, or if the church had more prestige, then I'd be a good apostle, then I'd be fruitful. But that's, that's a mirage. That's a distraction. Uh, we Christians always embrace reality as God has it, you know. And, and Jesus, just to, if you like, to disperse that, that mirage, that, that self-delusion, I want to tell you that I am very, very happy. I am very, very happy to try and be your apostle here and now, in the place, in the circumstances, among the people you have placed me and not somewhere else. There's no doubt that there is a temptation. It has always existed in the church. It has always existed. That when society is godless or secularized or materialistic or hedonistic, there's always been a temptation for believers to abandon that society. Uh, and that means just leaving the place, which is very paganized, or maybe forming a little group that closes in on itself and, and in a sense, uh, seeking refuge uh, in a bubble. But this is not the way of the church, and it's certainly not the way of St. Patrick. Uh, we embrace reality as it is, and, and we believe truly in the providence of God. If there are new challenges, there is a new grace. Recently, a friend of mine um, said to me that a number of, of people had said to him in turn that, oh, it's very difficult you know, to build the church in Ireland today. It's very difficult to evangelize Ireland today. And this friend of mine said, just with was great simplicity, not trying to make a point, but just he reflected out loud and he said, well, I just said to them, well, what do you think? Is it more difficult for us now to evangelize Ireland than it was for St. Patrick? What do you think was more difficult? And it's not a trick question. It's a really good question. The point is that Patrick got all the grace he needed for his mission because God is provident. God is loving. God provides. And you and I have all the grace we need. And I like to think even extra grace, because God is such a loving Father. We have all the grace we need to evangelize here and now. 
So any form of evasion, you know, of uh, reality, oh, there's nothing to be said to these people or people aren't interested or I'll move out of here or I'm out of here or it's not really the way of the church. It never has been. God calls us to be happy, to be rooted where we are, to sanctify the here and now, not to sanctify the past or to sanctify an imaginary future. Um, No, the Lord calls us where he places us. And there we are immensely effective. Even though at times we might feel, oh, there's nothing happening or what's the point? Look, if, like Patrick, we're faithful to our mission, we are building the church, whether we feel that palpably or not, the Lord is doing his thing. The Holy Spirit is not, if it's not irreverent to put it like this, the Holy Spirit isn't sitting there with his wings folded doing nothing. The church is full of, full of the saving power of the Holy Spirit all the time. And even though you and I are weak instruments, like like Patrick, who says, you know, he was a poor sinner, that's how he describes himself in the confessions he writes before he dies, well, we can also ascribe to that. We're, we're all poor sinners. And yet the Lord builds his church through poor sinners. That's the way it's always been. So tremendous confidence, tre- tremendous serenity, uh, tremendous fortitude and courage in our mission, which doesn't come from just the fact that we're plucky or that we've got some kind of natural human confidence, we may or may not have much self-confidence. That, that that's in a sense, is neither here nor there. What matters is faith in the Lord. Faith in the Lord. Our help is in the fa- our help is in the name of the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. God provides. God provides. This is what we see in every period of evangelization in the life of the church. God does provide. The graces are proportionate to the challenges. And in fact, the graces always outweigh the challenges. Um, You know, Patrick had many challenges. Uh, He receives this call through a supernatural vision from Victoricus, and the voice of the Irish saying, please uh, come and walk among us once more. And he responds. He goes off to Gaul, where he studies. He prepares for his mission. He studies under Saint Germanus of Auxerre. And Germanus of Auxerre had been uh, empowered by Pope Celestine I to prepare the mission to Ireland. However, to Patrick's bitter disappointment, when the time came, he wasn't chosen for the expedition because the task was given to a man named Palladius. But Palladius died shortly after arriving in Ireland. And then uh, his companions returned to Auxerre. And under those circumstances, Patrick was chosen to go in his place and Germanus consecrated him bishop and sent him to Ireland, the apostle to Ireland. Again, God's providence. It looked like, no, Patrick wanted to go, but it looked like it wasn't going to happen, but it did happen. God provides. Um, And then we know, I mean, it's well worth to read the Confessions of St. Patrick. If you Google it, you'll get a copy free online. It's it's all over the place. And it's a beautiful document to to bring to our personal prayer, to our meditation, to our spiritual reading. And the humanity of Patrick, the humility of Patrick, and the thanksgiving, the joy, the faith of Patrick just comes out very, very strongly. And we ask St. Patrick today for, for great faith, for great faith, because we know his... His mission was very difficult, uh, but it was immensely fruitful because he trusted so much in you, Lord. Lord, 
increase my faith, increase my faith in your divine providence. Romano Guardini has an essay on providence, and he says that, um, he makes an interesting point, he says that, you know, divine providence brings about the very best for a given individual. And simultaneously, it brings about the very best for everybody. You know, and, and you, Lord, you can do that. It's not something we can coordinate, but you can coordinate that the good of one person is also the good of many persons. And that there's no contradiction or complication about that. And I, and I guess we can see that, actually, in the life of St. Patrick. What was good for him, the working of divine providence in his life, was the working of divine providence for for the Irish people and for many, many other people. Um, it's interesting, uh, just looking at Wikipedia, uh, the patronage of uh, St. Patrick. Well, he's the patron of Ireland. He's also the patron patron of Nigeria, the patron of the Archdiocese of New York, of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, of the Archdiocese of Newark, of the Archdiocese of Melbourne. He's the patron of Boston. He's the patron of Montserrat, interestingly. He's the patron also of engineers and of paralegals, interestingly. And he's also the saint we invoke against snakes. (laughs) We all know why that is. He punched way beyond his weight. And this is what happens with apostles, with evangelizers, always. Their lives leave behind them, to, to paraphrase Santa Jose Maria, a deep and fertile furrow. Um, something that they would never have been capable of doing on their own strength. But it's like Patrick. He's full of gratitude because he realizes it's all a grace. It's all God's doing. The same thing for you and for me. Of course we're weak, of course we're limited, of course we're not what we should be. Of course the circumstances aren't ideal, although they are completely ideal, because the Lord has placed us in these circumstances and not other circumstances. But what I'm trying to say is, of course there are objective difficulties, but the grace of God is just as objective. In fact, you might say it's more objective than our perceived difficulties at times. Jesus, increase my faith. Jesus, through the intercession of St. Patrick, increase my faith, my confidence in divine providence, and grant me a solid resolve, a firm conviction, a serene perseverance in my vocation as a missionary, as an apostle in daily life. St. Patrick, as well speaking from his own experience of the struggles of faith and of prayer and of vocation, he says in his confessions, According, therefore, to the measure of one's faith in the Trinity, one should proceed without holding back from danger to make known the gift of God and everlasting consolation, to spread God's name everywhere with confidence and without fear. He's speaking from his own experience, and that for us is very inspiring. St. Patrick teaches us that a key component of evangelization is gratitude. Immense gratitude. Gratitude to God for, for his goodness, his goodness for us. We think of that um, man in the Gospels who St. Mark speaks about who was, who was healed. And the Lord tells him to be quiet. He doesn't want publicity, but he goes everywhere proclaiming what God has done for him. You might say that's the pattern of 
of every apostle of, of Jesus. And that's also our pattern, you know. Where do we get the strength or the energy to evangelize? Well, when we consider our Lord's goodness to us and the beauty of our faith and the beauty, the wonder of our vocation as children of God, all of that, you know, that, that, that's what we're trying to share. That's what we're trying to um, bring to others. Like you, Lord, say to the woman at the well in Samaria, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God. Um, well, in a sense, that's what we try and say to our friends, to our neighbours, to our family. If you only knew the gift of God. Um, but we, in a sense, we plumb the depths of this gift of God insofar as we are grateful. And it is beautiful, actually, to read in the confessions just there's so many expressions of gratitude uh, which St. Patrick makes so he's just so grateful to God for God's love for God's goodness for this reason he says I give thanks to him who strengthened me in all things so that I should not be hindered in my setting out and also in my work which I was taught by Christ my Lord I ought not to conceal God's gift which he lavished on us in the land of my captivity. I give untiring thanks to God who kept me faithful in the day of my temptation, so that today I may confidently hand over my soul as a living sacrifice for Christ my Lord. Who am I, Lord? Or rather, what is my calling that you appear to me in so great a divine quality? so that today among the barbarians I might constantly exalt and magnify your name in whatever place I should be, and not only in good fortune, but even in affliction. This tremendous gratitude he has. Lord, I want that gratitude too. In fact, I do have it in a sense. I do have it. I am grateful, Lord, for your provident love. I am grateful for all you've done for me and all you do for me. In one of his writings, St. Josemaria says, you know, show your gratitude to God by leading an apostolic life. Well, that's what we'd like to do, you know, inspired by, by St. Patrick. Not so long ago, maybe a month or so, I can't quite remember, we had the feast of St. Josephine Bakita, the first canonized saint of Sudan, who uh, has a link, in a sense, with the family of Opus Dei because she was beatified on the same day as, as our founder, and Josephine Bakita was had a really tough life because uh, she was kidnapped as a slave at the age of, I think, six or something like that. Her sister had been kidnapped the previous year. She was really badly treated. She was bought and sold about six times and she was tortured consistently for years. She bore on her body over 140 scars, you know, for her whole life. Um, she didn't even remember her age and she didn't even remember her name. She was so traumatized. Bakita was like a sarcastic name she was given by the slave drivers, um, the slave traders. Bakita just means the lucky one. She said, they said, oh, you're lucky you survived, you know, you, you've got this far. And eventually Bakita was, I suppose, rescued from that terrible situation because she was brought to Italy by a family. And there in Italy, she discovered the Catholic faith. She discovered her vocation also as a nun. And she spent the rest of her quite long life just talking about the mercy of God, the love of God. Um, and she talked a lot about the apostolate. She traveled all over Italy talking about the need for the missions, the need to spread the good news. Because she had discovered 
the loving master, not the cruel master, the loving master. And uh, that's you, Lord. And apparently at, at the end of her life, um, when she was a good age, they asked her, if you today were to meet the people who enslaved you um, and treated you so badly, what would you say to them? And she answered, I would kiss their hands and I would thank them. Because if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have eventually got to know Christ. Obviously there, the providence of God worked in a very difficult and harrowing way for her. But nonetheless, she realized that it was true that, that she had come to know our Lord. Again, we see this, this, this trait of the apostle, of the evangelizer. It's somebody who is profoundly grateful for God's provident love. They know that even through the most difficult situations, God does provide. And they're, they're proclaiming the gospel, they're proclaiming the love of Christ, is born of their own experience of the love of Christ. So Lord, we thank you today with all our hearts for, for St. Patrick and for his great ministry. Um, and we thank you also for his love for us, his fidelity to us, because he was very faithful to us and he decided to live and to die here in Ireland for love of us. And we don't want to take that love for granted. We finish our prayer asking for the grace of gratitude, of joy, to realise that all is a gift, that all is a grace. And that, that it's from that conviction, really, that we get the strength to evangelise. We ask also through the intercession of St. Patrick that we may be entirely convinced that here and now is the best possible place and situation and circumstance to proclaim God's love. St. Patrick, pray for us. Mary, Queen of Ireland, Our Lady of Knock, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.